three, two, one. You are now listening to the Shalena Fultz Talk Show, where I share stories of women who have overcome opposition and evolved into amazing entrepreneurs and powerful leaders. As a former event planner of 10 years, I am now infusing events with my exciting energy as an MC and host. Motherhood also compelled me to build a home-based business. I am the founder and owner of HBCU Legacy Fashion a kids' boutique that builds awareness around HBCUs while giving back through scholarships. You can learn more at hbculegacyfashion.com. Now that we're acquainted, let's get into the show. Alana Allen is a dynamic nonprofit leader, community activist, and nonprofit business consultant based in Greensboro, North Carolina, who happens to be one of my line sisters. After graduating from North Carolina A&T State University with a degree in journalism and mass communication, she worked as a public relations professional for 13 years and served as deputy press secretary for the first female governor of North Carolina, Beverly E. Perdue. At age six, Alana went through a traumatic experience that she held in for 18 years. Because of that experience, in 2009, she began her nonprofit, I Am A Queen, and today it has served over 13,000 people. Alana is also a nonprofit business consultant at Alana Knows Nonprofits, LLC, and she is here today to discuss five things you should know about building a nonprofit. Help me welcome to the show, Alana V. Allen. <laughs> Alana, thank you so much for being here today. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much. Yes. So I always start off by asking the question, what did eight-year-old Alana want to be when she grew up? Oh, my God. I always knew I, always knew I was going to be a writer. I always knew that I knew I was going to be writing at first. I thought it was for the newspaper, but then I saw Sandra Hughes and she was on TV WFMY news Two, Uh And I thought she was internationally known. Like I was like, she is famous. And I saw her and I said, I'm going to be a journalist. And ever since then I have been a full-time writer. So yeah. Yeah, because mm-hmm. we both had those journalism degrees, JLNC <laughs> department. I have a similar story, too, because yep. I grew up near Wilmington. So WECT, there was a Black reporter up there. And yeah, because you're growing up, you think they're famous. And yes. then you see their person, you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> I, I met her, like, in 2019, and I literally almost passed out. I was like, oh, my God, she's here. And you just met her that late. Yeah, well, it was because um, I had always always seen her like doing like lecturums or, you know, speaking. And for me, it's like when I first saw her, it was for the class of 1969 for their um, the uprising that happened almost 50 years ago. Well, technically like 52 years ago. And she was a part of the class of 1969 at A&T. And she was the one who narrated their story so that we could pay tribute to them because their graduation was canceled. And um, what happened was graduation was canceled. So then A&T decided to call them back to campus because that's when Sky Hall and Cooper was, you know, got attacked, shot yeah. up, 
Mm-hmm. And um, they had to come back to campus to do graduation, but it was rushed and not everybody was able to attend. So A&T, 50 years later, we had to pay tribute to them. Wow. And that's when you got mm-hmm. to meet her. Yes. I was like, you know, celebrity. Like. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And so you ended up working in government. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't remember who you worked for. What was I worked for Governor Beverly Purdue. Yes, mm-hmm. I remember that. So yeah. tell us about that experience and how you Oh got my here. God. So I call that boot camp for life. Like working for the first female governor. The one thing about her was she always made sure you knew, like knew what to do 10 steps ahead. Like she would always challenge her thinking um, if anything was like race related, she will always make sure that you knew that you were valued, that you were wanted. Um, she was like, she was really big on making sure that we were studying the craft. Like, you know, we would write press releases and speeches for her. So it was really about having like a really strong connection to her because at the end of the day, she was still human. So she, you know, she went through things, things happened within the state. So for me, I felt like my job for her was just to make sure that she knew that she could trust me. And I think that helped me to understand what it was like to be able to work for like CEOs and presidents because she really like laid the foundation for me. And she really taught me like, you really gotta be about your business, especially in all areas of your life. So great experience. And then you became the CEO and president of your own nonprofit, (laughs) I Am A Queen. So I'm pretty sure that experience really helped you to be able to grow and just to be like the president of your own nonprofit. Yeah. There is something that you said happened like in your childhood that made you want to start I Am A Queen. Would you like Mm -hmm. to share your story? Oh, yeah. So um, I Am A Queen started way before I worked in the governor's office. So when I was six years old, I was molested by a family member. He was a cousin of mine and I held this secret for 18 years. And what that means is when you hold a secret and people are telling you like, hey, um, you know, don't say anything or, you know, that didn't happen. You're like, no, I know that happened. So what happened to me was it's called like a flashbulb um, memory. So I got to A&T freshman year and I'm watching Oprah and they're talking about women who have been sexually you know assaulted Mm -hmm. and I was like oh my god like it just came back to me but everything came back to me in that feeling of what happened to me at the age of six and years later like I'm dealing with like depression I'm dealing with like addiction like I'm addicted to relationships I'm addicted to just pain I'm addicted to um drinking just trying to cope with what was going on with me and eventually I graduated from A&T got my first job, then the recession hits. I lose my job because the recession hits. Mm -hmm. And I thought my job was my God. Mm -hmm. And God met me in the floor. Like you cannot tell the story of I'm a queen without God. So God meets me in the floor. I'm broke, busted, and disgusted. Like I was the chick. I always was at the club. I was like, I party, party, party. And um, God met me in the floor. He met me in the floor and he said, get up. And I was like, who is talking? (laughs) Who's talking? And it was God. Like, God was like, get up. And I was like, I ain't got nowhere else to go. And he was like, yeah, you need to get up. So eventually I go back to church. I didn't believe in God. 
like I really thought I was like an atheist. I did not believe in God because I said, how could God allow this to happen to a six-year-old? Wow. How could God allow a six-year-old to be, you know, assaulted? Mm -hmm. And I go to church and they're talking about the prodigal son. I was like, are they talking about me? (laughs) I'm in church having this moment. So then eventually I go back um, to a Bible study and my, you know, somebody tells me like, hey, you know, you shouldn't go there because, you know, you're going to be late. Like you don't go to that church. But I went back to this church I'm a member of currently and they were talking about the three in the furnace. And I said, okay, they're talking about the three in the furnace. And they was like, oh, but the son of man, he stepped into the flames. And I said, okay, God, since you're God, this is you. If you want to come over here, come on. And God said, are you ready? And I was like, yeah. And I said, God, I want to help people. And God said, how can you want to help people, but you want to allow me to help you? Oh, next thing I know, I started writing, I'm a queen on a piece of paper. I'm in church crying, like just broken down. The whole church is gone, honey. And this one lady, she's like, are you okay? And I just remember looking at her like, I think my life just got changed. And I called everybody, everybody who harmed me, everybody who hid my secret. I called them that night and I said, I forgive you. They didn't know what I was talking about. Forgive me for, forgive me for what? I forgive you. I did. And I forgave him. And then I started that nonprofit. Um, Sorry, I'm clean probably like six months later. And I thought it was going to be a book club. And God chased me for two years. And he said, you're going to work with children. I said, God, I don't like kids. (laughs) and when I say chase I mean old people used to come up to me and say you're gonna work you're gonna work with children children would come up to me and say you're gonna do a nonprofit for children and I was like what is going on I would be in church and I was learning how to be a sower I would be in church and I'll be writing down programs for kids like he would take over the the service and I was like what are you doing? And finally, one day I could not outrun him. I could, I just, I was like, stop. And finally, I just started the mentoring program to work with girls ages 10 to 18. And I have one more story, I promise you. Um, I did this project where we wrote letters to the old self, like to your old, mm-hmm. your old person. And um, this one little girl said, so I shared my testimony of being molested because the guy was like, you know, God said, it's time for you to share your testimony. I said, well, nobody wants to hear that. And he was like, share your testimony. I shared my testimony. And this little girl said, because you shared your testimony and you forgave your family member, she said, for the past five years, I have been getting raped by my grandfather and I am now pregnant with his child. And I'm now ready to forgive. That is when I knew for a fact I was called to break barriers. I was called to say me too. I like literally when people say, do you want to share that story? Yes, I do. Absolutely. Because if the fact that I can sit here and talk to you and not have any tears in my eyes and tell you, yes, I was assaulted at the age of six, but I forgave him. So now I glory and I preach and I talk about the victory of forgiveness, the other side of forgiveness. So that's what I'm a queen represents. It represents the freedom from things that holds us back. And how can we embrace the newness of what God wants for us? Wow. That's a lot, ain't it? <laughs> I mean, that's so good because it's like your it's like your calling, your purpose, your calling, it always stems. I think it stems from something that you've gone through in your life mm-hmm. in order to help someone else. 
Oh yeah. And, um, and, and that's when you really know when you're helping someone or you're doing something, you know, to elevate someone else. I think that's when you really, really know that you are walking into like your. Yeah. Yeah. I I look at Genesis 50, 20, where he says you intended to harm me, but God meant it for good to save a multitude. Right. And like when people hear that story, they're like, oh my God. And I'm like, if it wasn't for this nonprofit or that forgiveness, we've helped over 13,000 people in Greensboro. And we we are staying consistently like doing the work and helping people. So yeah. And that's all because I forgave. Like what happened, you know, what could have happened if I didn't forgive him? I probably would have still been addicted. I start, I probably would have had about 10 kids. Mm. <laughs> wow that's powerful so I mean you've reached 13,000 people with mm-hmm. I am a queen what are some of the things you've done with I am a queen so we currently have a mentoring program for girls like I said 10 to 18 so we work with them on leadership and we work with them on their self-esteem so we currently have a program called the Queen Arise Leadership Program that stems from Esther 414 for such a time as this. And it's really about teaching kids how to really love who they are. Like, I really think leadership is really about people who actually like who they are and they have the type of influence to help people to achieve a certain goal. So, you know, we have the mentoring program, the kids, we try to do fun activities, but we also try to do things where they, we're teaching them and we're bringing in women of color to help them to understand what it's like to be a woman. And, you know, we talk about like body talk, like you got to make healthy decisions with your body, your mind, your soul, if you want to be a leader, like you, you say you want to go to college, but do you have the mindset to go to college? So we really talk about that. And then we do, as um, every year, we do an annual teen empowerment conference. So we bring in speakers and the kids do like a breakout session or they'll do like community service. So we have a teen conference that we do. So this year, the theme is I Matter. So we're talking about social justice. We're talking about why is it that Black women have always been the voice of the movement and what you can do at the age of 10 to 18 to make an impact in your community. And then we have these breakout sessions that's called the movement. So we're looking at how art, like painting, is a part of the movement. Like when they would tear down the buildings, how the artists would come in and build up the mur- the murals. Mm-hmm. And then looking at dance, how people would go out into the streets and they would do different dance and cultural you know, experiences. And then you have a certain part where it comes down to like disrupting conversations, like kids really focusing on the topics and why do we have certain prejudice towards people or why do we discriminate against a certain group? So that's going to be the team conference this year. And then we do International Day of the Girl. So we focus on entrepreneurship. We focus on STEM. We're um, really focusing on generational wealth, like teaching the girls about like how to invest in stocks, how to, you know, get your business invested in. And then I'm a queen is really known for our back to school event. (laughs) So (laughs) we give out like close to 800 backpacks filled with supplies to children in East Greensboro. And then... In the holidays, we do an annual Christmas adoption program where we help 100 kids for Christmas. And just last year, we added senior citizens. So we were able to give them Christmas stockings. And then we also provide all families with a holiday food box. So 
that's what we did that's <laughs> amazing like you are a lot changing the lives of so many people in Greensboro yeah. North Carolina oh my mm-hmm. gosh I love it and that leads me into a lot of notes nonprofit because <laughs> you've been for a long time yeah what would you say are um some things that you should know about building a nonprofit. Like what are your top five things? Well, I wrote it down because I wanted to make sure I was good. So um, the first thing I want to I tell people is pray first. Should you really start a nonprofit? Because nonprofits come with a responsibility. You do not own this nonprofit. This nonprofit belongs to the public. This is something that the board of directors are foreseeing they're over you know they're doing an overview they're trying to make sure this thing is in compliance so ask yourself should i really start a nonprofit, a business a corporation or should i partner with another nonprofit or a church to be able to pull off what i want to because a lot of times you're going to walk this road by yourself by yourself okay uh number two read and study a lot of times when I talk to people who want to start a nonprofit, they have no clue what a board is. I, I, I always have to take them back to the church. And I say, well, you know, you know, do you remember the time when your pastor had to leave and somebody else had to come in? They was like, yeah, I said the board had to vote. The members had to vote for the pastor to come in. Same thing as a nonprofit. So I always tell people, read and study nonprofits because nonprofits are weird. Like we fund our programs before we fund our salaries. Yeah. Pretty much. So people get so caught up in, oh, I can get free money. I can get this. I can get that. However, there's something called trust. Can people trust you with this money? Are you being transparent enough to let us know, hey, I've raised $15,000. And out of this $15,000, we were able to do X, Y, and Z to help this ABC population. So really study that. My next part, develop a plan. You've got to have a plan. You got to have a plan as far as like with your program, like who am I trying to serve? Who is this client that I'm trying to help to get the A to Z? What does the impact look like? And how much does this thing cost? And how is it that we can continue to make money? Because nonprofits can make money. You can sell services or you can sell goods, but nonprofits can make money. But it's all about will this money fund the actual program? So, okay. The next part, build support. People like you, Shalana, like y'all support, like my line sisters, y'all support me um, with the organization. Like I have like Ashley Walker, she she handles all my t-shirts. She does all my shirts for I'm a queen. So build support in the community by staying consistent. You're going to need people who are actually going to donate and uh, share your post like support is so needed for a for-profit and a non-profit right but I just feel like a non-profit you have to have support and like I'm a queen we're in the midst of a mayday fundraiser and mayday is like it's a call to action it's really like hey we really need y'all support to support teen girls because we're doing a stem boot camp we got a teen conference we're trying to say, hey, it's an emergency, like give your money, like really support what we're trying to do. So you have to build support and you have to help have people to want to share your information so that more people can jump on board. So it's really all about that. And then my last tip, fundraise, fundraise. 
You have to know how to fundraise. I don't care what nobody says. These nonprofits, people start nonprofits without money. Most of the time, the Black community, we will start a nonprofit without any type of funding. Whereas the other populations, they'll come together, whole family, then put in a trust fund. They come together. They have all their money together. They know exactly what they want to do. People have already written checks. But what we do is we step out on faith, which is awesome, but you need a plan. (laughs) Step out on faith and start fundraising for what you're trying to do. Like tell people like, hey, invest in this idea because it takes money to do what you want to do. It does not. No one is going to come to your door and say, hey, girl, you got a 501c3. Here's $10,000. It does not happen like that. I wish. Yeah. I wish. But you've got to. You've got to be able to formulate what that looks like. You know, you got to help people to want to give to you, like make it easy to get the money. You know, when they see your website, do do I see donate immediately? Do I know exactly who you're serving? So really set yourself up for success and just really use those five tips. There's probably more, but use those five tips. (laughs) Well, those five tips were good. And I'm sure there are listeners that want to start a nonprofit so they can reach out to you to get more tips, schedule consultation. So how can people work with you or donate to I Am A Queen or work with a lot of those nonprofits? Okay, so the first part with I'm A Queen, you can go to imaqueen.org. And you can click donate right now. Our May Day fundraiser is until May 1. And what we're trying to do, we're trying to raise $10,000 to support teen girls in our community. So you'll see the fundraiser going and you'll see, and what you'll do is you'll receive an email from us. They'll have like a social media image. And what we'll do is we'll shout you out and then we'll mail you a gift. And then for Alana Knows Nonprofits, you can go to alanaknowsnonprofits.com book a 30-minute consultation with me, or you can skip that part and just go ahead and select the service that you want, and I can send you an agreement. Because what I do is I help people to start their nonprofits, but I also help also help people to develop their programs so they can become grant-funded, okay? Then I do grant research, and I also offer public relations services to help out nonprofits. So my niche is all about nonprofits. That's awesome. And lastly, what is your motto for life? My motto? <laughs> oh, God. Something like what? Do you oh, my God. Okay, my motto for life. My favorite quote. I know. Um, mm, oh, I already know what it is. Um, what you do for others, God will make happen for you. Yeah, Ooh, I love that. Yeah, I, I I believe in the life of the sower. Like yeah, I, I tell people, sometimes when I'm on Facebook, I'm talking to myself. I ain't talking to y'all. I'll say, oh, the sower will never be without because I'm never going to be without because I continue to sow. So what you make happen for others, God will make happen for you because as much as you push hard for other people, people are hungry. People are going through things where they need a job. Can you imagine if the hands that God blessed you with is the hands that fed that person or got that person a job? Can you imagine what else God has in store for you? That, that's how I leave it. That's how I'm going to feed you with that. So that's how I keep myself motivated because I look at these kids and my kids are talking about, Miss Alana, I want to go to therapy. 
why you want to go to therapy? I just, I'm in the house. I've been dealing with my mama. Like you got black kids, Gen Z, they're embracing Mm -hmm. therapy. And I'm like, God, how do I get the funding to fund therapy sessions for my kids? That's not, that's, that's something new to me because we're millennials. We don't talk about that. Right. But Gen Z is like, no, I have, I feel like I'm going through a depression. I feel like I need to talk to someone and I encourage them. I, I celebrate them when they say, Hey, I need somebody. And for me, that helps me to fight. If I can get that child a therapist, can you imagine what else, what, what other doors God will open for this nonprofit? Now that we're helping kids to be able to see the other side of depression, you know, I love that. Yeah. Alana, thank you so much for all that you are doing in the community in Greensboro, North Carolina. Thank you for coming on to just give your tips about starting a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate it. And if you are listening, I hope that you go run to IamAQueen.org and submit your donation for May Day. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, take a screenshot, tag Shalana Fultz on Instagram, and let me know what your favorite part was. And never forget, you're doing your best, and your best is good enough. I'll see you next week, same time, same place.